Welcome to the Tika Taka Cast! Welcome to the brand new Tika Taka Cast. So, obviously, we're all in lockdown. So, my special guest on the show today was um, my three-year-old who has just introduced the show before the charming man from the Smiths. And then it's just going to be a little bit from me, a little bit from him, and we'll see where it goes from there. I've got a couple of things lined up over the next couple of weeks. I've got a couple of special guests coming on. I say special guests, they're special to me. Um, and obviously you'll get to know them in the next coming weeks, and hopefully you'll like the podcast. Um, you might think it's shite. But I hope not. But if you do, you don't have to listen to it, so that's fine. So today, really, we're just gonna just gonna introduce myself. My name is Leroy, as you can probably tell by the accent. I am um, from Liverpool. Um, I am an Everton fan, and on the third podcast that I am going to do, I'm going to have a little bit of a Merseyside special with um, a good friend of mine. So we will have a red versus blue segment on that show. Um, but as far as today's show goes, we're going to touch on VAR and what it's doing to the game, really. Um, you can leave some comments on Instagram after the podcast and you can let me know what your your thoughts are on VAR as, as a whole, whether it works in the Premier League. I know it's been operating in the Spanish League a little bit longer than the Premier League. And... Calls in the Spanish league from from people I know that that live in Spain, they pretty much have the same opinion of VAR as what the Premier League do. Half of the people love it, half of the people hate it. It's a bit like Marmite. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that. Um, I'm going to talk about Metos Erzum and his proposed move to Fenerbahce, which looks like it's getting a little step closer today. Um, and we'll see where that one goes. What's he got left in the tank? That's what we'll we'll debate. And again, once I put the link up on Instagram, um, you can also debate that with me as well. And then we'll go from there. So I'll just leave you with a a short interval, and then we will go straight on to speaking about VAR. <laughs> So I asked my three-year-old before what well what he thinks about football and what he thinks about VAR. So have a little listen to, to what he said and then we'll take it from there. So what do you think of football, Georgie? Good. And what do you think of VAR? Rubbish. Yeah. Why is it rubbish, mate? Because they don't know what they're doing. Sounds about right. The three-year-old has spoken... It doesn't take um, a rocket scientist to work out what his opinion is of VAR. Um, personally, I'm for and against it. I was always of the elk that technology would, would improve football if there was clarity and if there wasn't waiting times or, or lengthy waiting times. 
Um, and, and I think I think which is annoying for a lot of people is you're waiting for three, four, five minutes for a decision on VAR. Now, the governing body stated at the start of the season that in order for VAR to, to intervene, to overrule or to to make a decision, then the error has to be clear and obvious. Now, if you're having to slow something down to 10,000 times its speed and you're having to look at it for five minutes before giving the decision to the referee to give a penalty or not, to, to give a handball or not, then clearly if it's taking you five minutes to look at that decision in the first place, then it's not clear and it's not obvious and, and it's not an error. It's just technology interfering with, with football and that that to me is, is a step in the wrong direction and I don't think that's what VAR should be used for. And I'm gonna make a couple of examples of it and, and again like I've like I've said you can you can discuss these with me off the podcast or or I'll send a link and you can even send some voice notes into me from the link on the Instagram page and we'll put them up on the next podcast next Saturday just to see what what opinions other people have of, of the technology itself and whether they think it's any good but I'm gonna highlight a couple of, of incidences um that have occurred. So first of all the the one that sticks out for me the most is it's a, and it caused a lot of debate in, in this city was Sadio Mane. Sadio Mane's um offside in the derby, which effectively cost Liverpool the game, cost them the three points. In in no world should that goal ever have been offside. And and I'm an Everton fan. And the last thing I want is Liverpool to, to take three points off Everton, which, let's be honest, it happens all too often and, and we've become a little bit of a laughing stock at times in, in relation to the derby. So I'm grateful for the point, but not not in the in the ways that you're getting the points. I think it was shocking. So the rules of the law, to be offside, according to the to the rule, any part of your body which can score a goal has to be in an offside position. Sadio Mane's finger is offside. Well, for the start, you can't score a goal with a finger because it's handball. And secondly, since when has a finger ever been classed as offside? You go back to grassroots football and, and you've got you've got Terry from around the corner who's the linesman on you on your, your match. And, and and he's not gonna give an offside for a finger in, in grassroots football on 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 the pitches. So I think there's gotta be a a bit of consistency across the board. What what are what are we gonna teach kids? Grassroots football. Don't bend your run like that. Make sure you're given a yard of space before you you attack. Because just in case you make it to professional football, you're gonna to have to change the way that you you play. I think it's a little bit different with goal line technology. Goal line technology is fantastic, and it's not really used that often. It's not something that in a grassroots level you would think. Oh, that's gonna change the way the the game's affected. But VAR will VAR. If you can't do it in grassroots, if you can't do it in the national leagues, if you can't do it in 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 the lower divisions of English football, then you can't do it in the Premier League either. For me, as a, as a personal point of view, some games in the FA Cup you will have VAR at Anfield for the Liverpool game against Millwall, but you won't have VAR away for the Nottingham Forest game against Manchester United. Now, that's not right. That's that's 
given teams unfair and, and, and fair and, and un, well, unfair advantages really. Uh, we'll have a look at that in a second. Another one was the Pedro Neto goal. Um, this one was against Liverpool. <laughs> it was crazy. So Johnny Otto's boot, tiny part of his boot was offside in the build-up. He got nothing to do with the goal. And Pedro Neto scores the goal and, and that's disallowed. I just don't see how it makes any any logical sense that that, that can be offside. And another one, bugbearer for, for Liverpool fans again, is the armpit of Roberto Firmino. You can't score a goal with your armpit. So how can your armpit be offside? I just I just don't get that. For me, I think VR is a backward step in trying to go forward. I think it's used completely ridiculous in the in the wrong ways. I think it should be used solely for offsides. It should be used for offsides where there's daylight or there's a running action, a running movement where the, the legs are offsides where you can see clearly see that the, the run's been missed time by the striker and and then you give the offside decision, but for what they're giving them for at the moment, it's it's comical and, and it's making a laughing a laughing stock of so called the best league in the world, which at the moment is is seriously debatable because it it, it just it isn't. It's it's a farce the way it's getting run. And then you look at the way penalties are given, so VAR is not used for, for free kicks, it's not used for decisions surrounding free kicks on the edge of the box. It's not brought back for free kicks. They don't look at them. But they look at them if there's a decision leading to a goal-scoring opportunity or a penalty. They then look prior to the incident which created the penalty or the red card offence. So if you're not looking at free kicks, so you've missed a foul and then a penalty is given and then they look at VAR and they see a foul in the build-up but VAR was never designed to look for fouls in the build. That's what you've got a referee for. So then they won't give a penalty or give a penalty based on the foul in the build-up. That's just stupid. It's just absolutely it's scandalous. It really, it really is. I don't know where I don't know where they're gonna go with with VAR. And and I would like, like I say, I would like your opinions on it. And Maybe you can send a couple of voice notes across and let me know what you think. I'll put it on next week's show. Next week's show, hopefully, a little bit longer, we'll have a little bit more content in it. Um, and we'll see where what you guys think. Um, I've got a couple of people that, that have some opinions on it that, that are going to contribute to, to next week's show as well. Um, but I just want to know where everyone's at with VAR. Personally, I think it's a bad, it's a bad idea. It's a good idea. But it's it's wrongly executed, so it's a step backwards for me. Um, and if you can't execute it across grassroots to national leagues up to the Premier League, then what's the point in doing it at all? Because the game's got to be fair for everybody, and it's got to be sustainable for everybody. And using technology that costs millions and millions of pounds is just another way to to not make football sustainable, especially in in the lower leagues. So. Yeah, that's how that's how I feel about that. Um, let me know in the comments, like I say, and 
we just have a, a short break because I could do with a cup of tea to be honest. Um, I'll have a little intro for you now and then I'll be back and we'll speak about the curious case of Ozil and what he's got left and how much money he's on and I will catch you in two. On to Erzil, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a curious one, really. The the Erzil situation, and I'd be interested to know what you you think about it yourself. So last season he was left out of Arsenal's European squad. Um, Arteta obviously deemed that he was surplus to requirements. Then he still played a couple of league games, just no European games. And then this season, obviously, he was omitted from Arsenal's match day squad. And he wasn't even given a squad number. I find I find that I find it crazy to be honest. You're talking about a guy who he assists for fun. If you build a team around him, if you put the players in the positions around him to create chances for the likes of Obama Young and the likes of Lacazette, he's perfect for someone like Nicolas Pepe that's not got any confidence to to use Ozil to try and gain Pepe some confidence playing a certain strategy a little bit like Everton do with Rodriguez where he, he comes inside and he's always looking for the, the angled ball to Richarlison they could have done something similar with Ozil and had a little bit more directness and got a little bit more potency from from Nicolas Pepe but it didn't work out like that Um, so effectively they've got 250 300 grand's worth of player who's training with the under 20 for these which I find crazy, I really do. If you're gonna do that, you might, you might as well just loan him out to someone and pay half the wages, or, or, or just release him, just release him from his contract, and buy him out of it. It's just a waste. Three hundred grand a week. It's a lot of money. It's just a waste, and he's just sat there, and he's not playing football, and now, he could be getting. His, his dream move, and, and I say a dream move because he's got quite a rich Turkish heritage. Um, he'd be going to Fenerbahce, he's always wanted to play for Fenerbahce, and Fenerbahce have always wanted Ozil, and they've never really, well, they haven't had the desire to, to go and, and, and get him, and he's not really had the desire to, to go to Fenerbahce until this time in his career, because obviously he was so successful at Madrid, um and, and to an extent with Arsenal. So it looks like he's gonna get that move. Um finally. And it looks like Arsenal are going to pay a percentage of, of that wages. Now I, I just wanted people's opinions to see whether you think he's still got anything left in the tank really. Is he is he past master or is he past it? Which is effectively what I said on, on the Instagram post. I, I think he's got a lot to offer. I think if you play to his strengths and, and you have a solid foundation and you give him the ball, you bring the ball out to the fence and you give him the ball and and you use the tactics to, to play in your wingers and to to have the likes of your Abamyangs running off as I was passing them, they could have been a fantastic side. And I think Fenerbahce will, will certainly reap the rewards from from a, a, an Ozil transfer and, and hopefully he can reignite his career and while he's still sitting on 300 grand a week 
which will be part funded by Arsenal. So yeah, just let me know. Drop me, drop me um, a message or, or let me know in the comments what you think about Erzul and what you think about this move and, and what it will do for him. He's not played for the German national team for a long, long time. So I, I can't see that changing anytime soon, not while Joachim Lur's still in charge. But it'd just be nice to see um, if he can get some Champions League football, Europa League football. Um, you can see him enjoying his football again because it is a shame. He's a fantastic footballer. Um, it'd just be nice to see a little Erzul swan song. Let me know what you think and I'll be back with you after this short break. So, just want to thank you all, um, really, for, for listening. And I just want to thank everyone for following over the last couple of days. I know it, it's it's brand new. It's an idea that's been in my head for about five years. And I think with all this lockdown that's been going on, a lot of people have decided, ah, well, let's just do it. Just give it a go and see where it takes us. So that's that's what I'm I'm doing with this. And I would really like to have some regular listeners. And anyone that has any opinions or anyone that, that wants to give any feedback or back or give any input. I know I've got a lot of um podcasters which have followed that have thankfully followed me back, which is great. Um we've had thirteen hundred followers in four or five days, which is it's fantastic. And I do really appreciate that. Um Hopefully we can have 10,000 by the end of the month. That would be the ideal situation. Um, and I'll, I'll look forward to, to hearing your comments and views. And you will see, or you will hear from me, next Saturday. So next Saturday, I will post a couple of teasers as the week goes on. And then we've got the big one the week after. We'll have the, the Merseyside special. We'll have a little bit of Reds versus Blues. Um, and that'll be a little bit of fun. Might be a bit fiery. Might get a bit heated. But it's all in the um, it's all tongue and cheek. It's all just a bit of a laugh. But yeah, thanks for tuning in to today's podcast, and I'll leave you with a little bit of music. <laughs> 